Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 573 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains, and it's a feel-good Friday. And why not answer your questions about the Ottawa Senators' past, present, and future? And Ross, our prospect profile ranking countdown is to the first round now. We're going to be looking at 32 and 31 today. And because we've now completed the second round where your Senators have two picks, Pilsy and I are each going to pick our favorite prospect that we've profiled so far. All that coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Friday, June 3rd. We are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where the best way you can help us grow is to like the video by clicking the thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and leave a comment below. The comment we want to know today is which prospect that we've profiled so far would be your number one pick at 39th overall. Pilsy, I will ask you the same question. Ross, I thought we were going to open up the show like we always do, getting a deep dive into politics, as uh, we're well known for doing on this show. The voter turnout, my goodness. Oh, (laughs) man. No, tell me your favorite prospect. That's all I care about. I promise. All right. We'll we'll stick to sports just this one time. (laughs) Just this once. Yeah, so Never my, again. my favorite prospect, and he's the only guy I rated above four <laughs> stars, four and a half stars. Ross, time to get serious now, okay? Enough, enough with right. the politic okay. jokes. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's a guy I really liked, Ty Nelson, the defenseman for the North Bay Battalion, right shot offensive defenseman, a guy I think can really be a top power play unit uh, guy on uh, on any unit because he's so good at facilitating the puck. He's a guy that I know it's silly, but he shot a puck so hard it busted in two when he scored a goal. That was an epic highlight. So for me, Ty Nelson, when you, whenever you can get a right shot defenseman that can anchor a power play unit, the only way you can really get them is through the draft or by paying an arm and a leg to trade for them because no one wants to get rid of them. So I think the value that he could have at pick number 39, and I think he probably will still be available, would be a great selection for the Sens, especially because, like we talked about, with that, if they end up picking seventh, they're probably going to pick a forward. If, like we teased in uh, yesterday's episode, they decide to trade up, they're probably taking a forward. So I think it would make sense to try to bolster the the prospect pipeline on the decor with that first second round pick. Are you not worried at all about the size? Do you think he could have that Tory Krug effect or is he going to be closer to an Eric Brandstrom? I'm really not worried about the size, Ross, because sure, he's not uh, so tall. 
but he's 196 pounds. Like, that is a big boy for these age groups. And sure, maybe he's not as tall, but he's got that strength. And he's going to be able to do the things that your Eric Brandstrom's, your Victor Mette, your Lane Hudson's aren't going to be able to do because they don't have that that muscle mass behind them. And they, they're not going to be able to muster up that strength like he is. So just because he's a little shorter doesn't really bother me. And who knows, he might even grow an inch or two. But the fact that his weight is up there uh gives me a little bit of uh, assurance that that's not going to be an issue yeah plays heavy and he's got pedigree first overall pick in the ohl draft in 2020 we got to see him boots on the ground didn't jump out at me in that playoff game and he did struggle a little bit towards the end of the season but not a bad pick i'm going with owen beck though who ironically enough we have at 39th on our draft rankings which would be the exact spot the senators get to pick in the second round i just love the projectable qualities of his game and then seeing all these highlights where he's so close to scoring, his numbers should be way up from what they were to this year, just based on what he creates offensively. So you're looking at a guy who plays on the PK, gets deployed in the defensive end. He's shown responsibility on that side. The only thing holding him back is the offensive production. And he's just getting robbed. He's hitting posts. He's doing everything right. That shows me he will create offense as soon as next season. Plus, both of our guys, OHL players, meaning they had a full year of stunted development. Let's see them pick it up and go even harder in the next season. So you've got Ty Nelson. I have Owen Beck as our number one choices so far through the first 32 profiles. Pills, we've already done 32 profiles, and we still have 32 to go. We'll get to them in just a little bit, but we asked out a question on Locked on Senators, Send Central on Twitter a little bit earlier on this uh, this week asking for a provocative topic. Well, it pretty much turned in to an Ask Jeeves situation. So <laughs> here we go. Let's get uh, That's a throwback. Let's yeah, let's get into it here. Let's see. Uh, I'll pull up the screen share and then we can discuss some of these topics. We'll start with at Kadri Sends. I love this nice. question here. Which Senators who are under contract for next season have played their last games in Ottawa and how? Will they be moved? Well, I'll start with the obvious one, and that's Nikita Zaitsev. I think, Ross, we're finally, finally at a point where it seems like Pierre Dorian is understanding that Nikita Zaitsev cannot be a part of this team if they want to have any success. It seems like the narrative now is he will try to move on from him, whether it's a bio sweetener trade to Arizona. I don't care what it is. Honestly, I don't care. He's got to go. So Nikita Zaitsev, I'll I'll take that one, the low-hanging fruit, and I'll pass it off to you for the next player. All right, and this one kind of breaks my heart a little bit. And we should mention, like, there, there's a couple guys here to choose from. Like, I could say Michael Delzato, but $2 million, Like, I just, I don't know how. I think it's more likely that he's buried again. Although, yeah. <laughs> good luck signing another player with his agent if, if you bury him in the minors for Honestly. a year and a half out of his two-year deal as a 31-year-old respected vet who actually looked decent. In Ottawa in the second stint. But Pilsy, I hate to say this, man. You know where I'm going. It's Colin White. Three years left. And we got um, an angry DM. And you know what? I'll give credit to him because he made some good points. Um, I just got to pull it up here. Let's see. Um, How much buying out White, how much would it cost to replace a 35 to 40 point pivot? Okay, so you save 10 million over three years and spend nine to replace him. Save $1 million to the damage you're going to do to the locker room. I hear that. I really do. But three seasons left, 
yeah. at 4.75. I don't see him as a 35, 40 point player. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Like that's, that's a nice projection and it'd be great if he could do that. I don't know if it's going to happen. And for a guy at his age, uh, how he's old is Colin stay, White? He's 24 turning 25 or he's 25 now. He's already had a, like several injuries and I'm not trying to knock the guy, but it's just a matter of fact. And he hasn't been able to play healthy. And even when he is playing, usually he's a little dinged up still. Like, where does he fit on this team? I have no place to put Colin White and when you're making that much money and this is the last chance you'll have to be able to buy him out at one-third contract rather than two-thirds, the Sens have to do it. I'm with you, Ross. I love Whitey. I think the boys love Whitey. I hey, saw you know the what? potential there. but Bu- Buy him out. Of- buy him out and then re-sign him to a $2 million deal. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's got to be some CBA implications. I think there. you can. Uh, you might be able to revisit it after one season, but it ha- right. there has to be a season where it happens. No. That's why after they bought Bob Ryan out, we right. I think we chatted about like, hey, right. now that he's played a year at the Red Wings, maybe bring him back on a league minimum. But uh, right yeah, here, here's still the way- paying Bobby Ryan. Speaking of which, yeah, true. Here's the way that here's the way that I I'll break it down because I know there's people that do get offended when you talk about buying out Colin White, and there is a lot to like about him. Four point seven five million. Is he going to play over Josh Norris, Belzy? Absolutely not. Is he going to play over Tim Stutzla? God no. Okay, so at best you're looking at a third line center. Is he going to? Next question: Is he going to play over Shane Pinto? No, I would say no. Not on my roster. Uh, Okay, so then he moves over to the wing. Is he going to play over Drake Batherson? No. Is he going to play over Connor Brown? No. Okay, so he's automatically out of your top six, making almost $5 million. And he's not going to play year. over Matthew Joseph either. So there you go. I mean, process of elimination. He's a, and, a fringe third-line guy if there's injuries. And it sucks that he kind of lost his footing. This was the number one center pillsy for a full season, yeah. playing with Brady Kachuk and Mark Stone. But those and, days are over. There's depth now. Ross, I'll I'll ask the question a little differently. If the buyout, just hypothetically, was that two-thirds, does that change your mind? Yes. I probably don't do it, but then I'm probably looking to trade him. Exactly. And that could still be an avenue as well. I just think it makes so much more, like the, the cap hit each year is like a minimum contract in the NHL, basically. You might as like that, you don't notice right. that at all. I think it makes so much more sense to buy him out and it sucks, but that's the way it is. Boy Peter Houston, Peter. good buddy uh, of ours from the TSN newsroom, yep. would be very interested in your guys' thoughts on Dorian packaging the number seven pick for a top four defenseman. However, he then notes that his track record on acquiring NHL defenseman makes Peter very nervous. I mean, it makes sense. You have to use uh, the Sens have to start using the assets they have to acquire assets they don't have. That that's where the Sens are at, right? And the seventh overall pick, I think, is the perfect amount of value that other teams would be interested in it. But it's not too valuable that it's like the Sens cannot move this. They have to stick with it. So I I would be definitely interested in that. But again, like I've said, to go out and acquire a top four defenseman, it's so expensive. So it would have to be the seventh round pick plus plus, in my opinion, to get a guy under contract that you actually want. So we'll see how that goes. Talk about plus plus Cole, another Sen Central citizen. We got to have a pint with him. That was awesome to meet Great him guy. in person. Matthew Gachuk in Calgary. Could an offer sheet be going his way? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's I fun, fair. but I think like I don't know the offer sheet prices off the top of my head, but you'd be looking at three first rounders. No? 
Yes. And you, would. you don't do that. <laughs> uh, the Church of Alfie at Praise Alfie. Put together your depth chart at center in the year 2024. Number one through number four. I've already got it. Tim Stutzler, number one. Josh Norris, number two. Shane Pinto, number three. Mark Kaslick, number four. Boom. So, and that's so, and that's your that's the exact depth chart for 2022 and 2023 and 2024. <laughs> so, so I'm fine with that. That means you see Ridley Gregg on the wing? Yes. Okay, and then again, in a pinch, in an injury situation, again, where that's where Colin might kind of lose a bit of value. If you have another guy who can play wing and center, you can slide him over when the time comes. So, yeah, I'm with you there, Casty. Sick, number four, center. Uh, let's see what we got here. <laughs> Shappy the Scout says, we need the inter- the uh, exercise bike interviews to make a comeback. So I asked if I should do one from my Peloton. I could throw a big neck towel on and throw a couple of you knows here's a great one we'll end off with this one for t- for today sean foise said central citizen how far hmm. do the 2017 ottawa senators go in this stanley cup playoffs that's an interesting question because i think honestly ross this has been the best playoffs i've seen in years like this has been amazing so let's go through it like this do they beat the florida panthers in the first round We're off to a hot start. I don't know. I don't. You know what? Yes, yes. I think they do. Okay, they, be, they, do. they beat the Bruins, and the Bruins were a solid team at that point. Yeah. So sure, why not? Dion Phaneuf scores uh, scores the OT winner, of course. Do they beat the Tampa Lightning in a no. series? <laughs> no. Do they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs? Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> why didn't you start with that one? Do of they course. Beat, do they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins? Yes. Wow. With with the third string goalie starting. Games, yeah. New York Rangers? No. Washington Capitals? Yep. All right. So you're thinking like about a 60% chance they would have got out of the first round then. I mean, if they play the Leafs, 110% chance. Yeah. Man, there's just so many good, like, amazing teams this postseason so that's the thing like you said it's a great it's a great great playoff do they they, oh yeah i guess it would only be atlantic teams yeah we can't go to the other uh, yeah yeah exactly um that was the two three matchup i think with boston being the number two seed in ottawa third was that the case or was it a wild card (laughs) yeah yeah me neither but uh when it comes man the 2017 team that was that was sick but they also like they got a little bit of luck along the way too, and and also were carried by a true superstar, which yes. is, is awesome to see, or was awesome to see. And now it's like, okay, who's going to be the next superstar? There's a couple of guys coming, but that'll be uh, we got a superstar here. Don't ooh. you worry. All right, all right. Well, why do you say we try to track down the next superstar as we get into the first round of our draft rankings? Before we get to that, though, Pills, you've got a word from one of our favorite sponsors. Yes, Ross, and hopefully my screen doesn't uh, freeze halfway through this one like uh, yesterday's episode, and I don't forget part of the ad read. I got it here. We're good to go, and it's betonline.net. It is the trusted online sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. You got all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Where is Barry Trotz going? Betonline.net 
is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. It remains the best spot for sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. You're keeping up to date with betonline.net. And it's not just hockey, guys. NBA Finals are happening. Celtics with a big upset in Game 1. You want to get in on that action. There's CHL hockey. There's boxing. There's UFC. There's baseball. They got it all at betonline.net. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action and keep listening to this episode. Pillsy's Playoff Parlay is coming back. It's Bet Online where the game starts. All right, Pillsy. So the NHL Central Scouting Combine is going on right now, and prospects are doing interviews with the media. And one of the questions always comes up What are the strangest questions that teams ask you? And the Senators have been known to be one of the teams that really give a difficult interview for the prospective players. Now, Cutter Gauthier was on the Athletic Podcast with Corey Pronman, who will be coming up as a guest on this show leading up to the draft. <laughs> he said the weirdest question he got from any team was the Senators asking if he had a betting app on his phone. Better be betonline.ag. That's what I hope he answered. Or as we joked about off-air, Rossi Senators do have a uh, competitor sports gambling site on their website, which we will not name. But on their maybe, ha- on their helmet, not on yes. their website. Or uh, yeah, I mean it's probably on their website too. Let's be yeah, honest. probably. Um, but uh, that would have been funny if he like did his homework and answered that because then they could be mad at him for supporting uh, a brand that supports the Sens, right? Yeah, 100%. What kind of weird question would you ask a prospect? I don't I don't know. The one that always sticks out to me is and I forget where I heard this, but when Rick Nash, when the Columbus Blue Jackets were thinking about selecting Rick Nash, I think they asked him like, "Should we select you first overall?" Like just straight up. And he was like, "Yeah, like it would be a massive mistake if you guys didn't and all this." And he just he just flat out said like, "Yeah, I'm I'm the best." And they went with it, and I think they they definitely are happy with that decision as he is arguably the greatest Columbus Blue Jacket of all time. So that's the kind of confidence you want to see from some of these kids. they got to believe in themselves. Yeah, 100%. It's always fun to hear those stories. Uh, back in the day, you know, Kirby Dak famously, uh, Steve Eisman asked him like four times in a row if he smoked weed or not. And just kind of like made him feel uncomfortable about it. Four times in a row is a little much. Yeah, he's like, no, I don't. He's like, you sure? Like, people have told me that you do. (laughs) I got a a joint right now. If I spark this up, are you you taking Will you smoke it? (laughs) Come on, Kirby. We know you're Western Canadian, bud. Come on. No, that's great. All these questions. We got to sit down with these prospects and grill them. Maybe we'll do that after the draft. We'll try to obviously, we'll reach out to every single player that the team drafts through their agent, through their team. And we'll do our best to get you an introduction like we have in the past with Tim Stutzlaw, with Jake Sanderson. And you can go back and listen to all those great interviews. Ridley Gregg, Tyler You want to do the whole list? Igor Sokolov. I mean, we we got a lot of them. We got prospect interviews. And if you'd like them, uh, you're more than welcome to check them out anytime on demand on YouTube. Where we also have our draft profiles. As I mentioned, we are going fast and furious. But now... We're taking a deep breath. We're doing two per day. Two per day until we get to number one. And then the day after number one, it's a Saturday. Oh, you're damn right. We're doing a full first round mock draft. I believe we're going to use that as a YouTube exclusive. It is going to be long. It is going to be in depth. 
We might have some special guests, Pilsy. It is going to be what I would like to call an extravaganza. The event of the summer. The event of the week in the summer. come on. (laughs) Well, the next week is the actual draft. I mean, I don't think we can take the thunder. Get your tickets for absolutely free at the... On demand. YouTube.com slash locked on senators. All right. Enough enough joking around. We got to answer serious questions here, just like the prospects. Oh, by the way, Simon Nemich and David Yurichek hate each other. Nice. That That's is awesome. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> Nemich says, I've been the best defenseman in the draft since since like the start of the year. And then Yurichek's like, what? No, you're not. And you know what's awesome? There's a little bit of a built-in rivalry because your Czech is from Czech and then Nemich is from Slovakia. The country's separated, so you know there's a little bit of no love loss between those two. But coming in at number 32 on our Locked On Senators draft rankings with an average rank of 37 from the Ontario Hockey League's Mississauga Steelheads, Luca Del Belbaloos. Del Bell Blues. I got to emphasize that again, Ross. When I was making my notes, I kept switching up where the bell and Dell went, but it is Luca Del Bell Blues from the Mississauga Steelheads. He had an incredible season, Ross. And he was, uh, we talked about it in uh, yesterday's episode. He was, was another. Jilkin. Pardon? With Jilkin. Yeah, another rare late 2003 birthday that allowed him to have a full OHL season under his belt. And. To say it was underwhelming would be an understatement. I mean, 58 games, one goal, five assists. Okay, keep that in mind. Six points in 58 games. Now let's flip to this season. This is not your old Del Bell Blues. This is the new version, the updated 2.0 Del Bell Blues. 60 games played, 30 goals, 46 assists. Ross, your math is a little wrong on the graphics. That says 70 points if my math is correct. That equals 76 points. Damn it. That is an impressive bounce back season for the Mississauga Steelheads centerman who sits at 6 feet, 175 pounds. Oh, that actually makes me so mad. Sorry. 76 points in 60 games. I don't want to do Del Bell Blues dirty. Like, no, you, you I don't want you to do points. Del Bell Blues. I've, I've, done, I've done, what, 34 of these now? I got to be better. Got to get it going, going forward. But what I can tell you, these rankings are all correct. And we've got another wild range for you. We've got Craig Button having him at 16th on his list. And Elite Prospects has him at 75th on theirs. I think the majority leans towards Craig Button. You've got Corey Pronman at 25. Chris Peters at 24. And Bob McKenzie at 37 with Scott Wheeler coming in at 45. Tony Ferrari does not have him in his top 32, which is where his cutoff was. Initially, so we've got an average of 37 on this rank. He's a six foot centerman with 175 pounds. Pilsy, lots to like, including the shot that allowed him to reach 30 goals. Yeah, and he finished second on his team in scoring, only one point behind uh, the leader of his team. And he does have a good shot, Ross, but I kind of uh, found it was more his skating that I was uh, focused on because. Again, we mentioned it. When you say good skating, that doesn't always mean top speed and that he's going to be speeding in school zones going over 40 kilometers an hour on the ice. Yeah, that was a partly saying I love. And uh, But it's more his agility and his edge work, which I think sometimes is underrated. So combine that with the fact that he has good hands, 
Bob McKenzie, a rare, uh, it's hard to find quotes from Bob McKenzie as he doesn't quote much from his cottage drinking margaritas. But Bob McKenzie said that he is the best hands in the draft. Whoa. And now combine that with great edge work, Ross. Uh, Del Bell Belouz is out there making defenders look silly. Like they, like he can stop up and pivot and get around guys easily while stick handling with the puck and defenders are just being turned around every which way they're looking for their jock strap up in the rafters by the time he's already by them. So that is an impressive skill for him. I saw yo, yo, what I love about Del Bell Belouz is the fact that he was a third rounder into the OHL. All these other guys were talking about top 10, top 15, top 20 picks. No, third rounder into the OHL, a C-level prospect at the start of this season and able to just fly into the mix of being a first-round talent. He plays power play. He plays penalty kill. He's a well-rounded player, and he competes every single shift now the one thing you say his skating's great i think that his top speed is good i'd like to see a little bit more in his first step when like his compete level is there he wants to battle for these pucks but sometimes i found when the d got it on the half wall they were able to skate one or two steps and just like he would have to like uh, resort to a stick check because he couldn't quite reach him in time for the body i want to see him work on those first two explosive steps and get that right where it needs to be but otherwise like he's got a package that an nhl team is going to be excited to see in terms of playing on both ends of special teams as i mentioned but also playing that premium position he's a guy to me he will be a centerman whether it's at the top of an ahl lineup at the bottom of an nhl lineup to me what you're getting with him is the sum of all the parts kind of adds up to be this first round pick i don't think it's anything like like uh, Jager Furcus, where it's just like, holy, this guy just dangles everybody. But yeah. it's it's just like the sum is greater than all the parts with with Del Bell Blues. Yeah, and that's fair. And and I like he was a first line center for the Steelheads. He plays a two hundred foot game, so I, I think, like you said, that top speed isn't quite there, and maybe he has to resort to uh, using a stick more defensively. And it just seems that. Every single scout, like, um, you know, at the end of each scouting report, usually there's like a conclusion. And each scouting report I saw, the conclusion was, this guy's probably going to be a third-line center. Probably not much better, probably not much worse. Like, that's kind of where everyone saw him. So I I think he could stay at center, but I don't see a lot of bursting potential here. So, like, higher floor, lower ceiling for me. Yeah, whereas this is where it's interesting because we're doing this average rank and like it only takes one one entity to be super one low on it. Yeah, exactly. To, to push it all the way down. Maybe next year we'll do it Olympic style. We'll take out the, the best and the least and, and probably get a better average that way because like Owen Beck, who I mentioned at the start of the show, I would take Owen Beck over Del Bell Blues every day of the week. Me and too, he's probably. seven picks behind, right? Yeah. Like there's some other guys a little bit lower who I'm looking at. That's where it's it's hard for me to project these guys and give them a a higher star rating than before because like there there's multiple players here that that we had in the late 30s, early 40s, even as I'm pulling up the list. Like like who would you rather between uh, Hunter Hate is another one where it's like for me like these two are probably comparable and Hunter Hate was like three days ago which is what, like 20 prospects the way we're going. But to me, yeah, it's just like he doesn't have that one skill that just like really catches my attention. And maybe he develops that. But again, he's one of the earliest birthdays in this draft. We'll pull up his Elite Prospects page here if I can find it as well. And then we'll be able to go from there. But 
Where do you have him on the star rating for the Ottawa Senators? He's November 10, 2003 birthday, Ross, yeah, I've got just it right for here. reference. Okay, perfect. Um, so, Could have told you he's from Woodbridge, Ontario, just for the name. <laughs> um, I, I think, look, Del Bell Blues' second season was absolutely amazing. Like, what a breakout season to go from six points to 76, like a 70 point increase in only two more games. You got to applaud that. So, congrats, Del Bell Blues. That is amazing. And that's going to help you out in the draft for sure. I think he can be an effective player in transition because of the combination of his edge work and his nice hands. The Bob Father says best hands in the draft. That's a big deal. I would say that's a defining attribute. But I don't think he's someone the Sens should target. Like you said, I, I think there's guys around this area that play a similar style of game that maybe don't have as amazing type of hands, but they complement it better with a little bit better top speed, a little bit better defending, and you can kind of uh, agree that that's worth more uh, in total. So for me, I got uh, Del Bell Blues at three stars. Like ni- Nice player. Do- doesn't really jump out at me, though. I'm a little worried about the lack of production towards the end of the year. Like, yeah, you scored 30 and 68, but then only one goal in 10 playoff games when the chips really count. His team still made it out of the first round, but at the same time, that's a bit of a red flag for me. I mean, it's it's obviously a team game, but to me, it's like, okay, if you really want to like cement your draft stock as a first-round pick, go out there and put the team on your back. I've got him at two and a half stars here uh, going into the first round. I got to take the Bob Father's word for it, but I will say... Just based on the highlights I saw, like there were a few dangles, but like to me, he wasn't like ripping players apart to shred. So I'll I'll hesitantly say two and a half stars. I think that I could top myself into it as I would, but to me, there's better options in this spot available, and I'm still on the Owen Beck trade and coming out of the OHL. His teammate, right in Mississauga. There you go. So you've got a direct comparison there with Owen Beck. All right, Pilsy, coming in at number 31 on the Locked On Senators draft rankings. We are flying through now. Coming in at number 31, we're staying in the OHL, but it's a Quebec-born player with the Sudbury Wolves with an average rank of 36.8, David Goyette. David Goyette with the Sudbury Wolves, like you mentioned, and he led his team in scoring, Ross. Pretty impressive. In 66 games, he had 33 goals, 40 points, good for 73, or sorry, 33 goals, 40 assists, good for 73 points. Should have just read the graphic. I got it right this time. <laughs> I, could, Woo! I can't always trust your graphic, Ross, so I had I had to go on my own there. Woo! Um, and Ross, that is 23 more points than the next player on his team and you might be thinking wow how is this guy a a rookie able to jump in and play top line center well Quentin Byfield no longer plays for the Sudbury Wolves as he graduated so that spot was available for Goyette to snatch and the rankings are, are pretty interesting for uh for him Ross I'll let you read them out for the listeners Yes, and ironically, we just did Craig Button's 16th-ranked prospect yeah, moving up the rankings, but now it's Button's 17th-ranked prospect. Scott Wheeler loves him as well at 22nd. Tony Ferrari has him at 31. And then Elite Prospects has him down at 53. Corey Pronman at 61, an honorable mention for Bob McKenzie, and he's not ranked on Chris Peters. He's a skill guy. You can just tell number 88 and the goals, mm-hmm. the assists, everything kind of speaks to that. Even the photo we use, he's going 10 and two with the skates. Like 
This is just like your ultimate skill player. He's just missing the tinted visor and he would just be or yellow laces or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. But he's, he's to me definition boomer bust. Yeah. And, and that's fair because there is a lot of potential here. He played on Sudbury was one of the four teams that did not make the playoffs. So he's on a tough team and was still able to put up over a point per game pace. That's pretty impressive. He was named Rookie of the Month for January with 16 points in 15 games. Ross, including four goals up against uh, the Sens prospect hub, Kings, Kings and Frontenax. Four goals. That's absolutely sick. It is absolutely sick. Yeah. And uh, he's just an offensive weapon. Like this guy, his, his top uh, skill is his ability to carry the puck. And yeah. he's able to carry the puck when he's at top speed. He's able to carry the puck well when he's pivoting. Like, he has that thing on a string, and it belongs to him when he has it. And then he has a shot that's accurate enough. He can beat goalies from anywhere on the ice. I watched highlights of him beating goalies uh, down low, in the middle of the net, up top, top shelf. Like, he's got a great shot. And then... Combine that with the fact that he has great vision, too. He was setting his teammates up, uh, I mean, as you do with 40 assists in in a season. So I think he has a good collection of skills that uh, make him a more well-rounded prospect than uh, Del Bell Blues. I absolutely love what I'm seeing out of, out of Goyette in terms of the effortless skating, the stride. He handles pucks, as you mentioned, with ease. Now... Maybe he's trying things at the OHL level that won't always work at the next yes, level. That's I'll fair. tell I'll tell you what what some of his stats were from minor hockey. This guy was putting up Wayne Gretzky numbers in minor hockey, but when you're looking at what he's been able to do, I guess kind of where I can talk myself back or, or reel myself in from just being like, okay, it's just not going to work at the next level is the fact that he hasn't had really the support where he can just make simple plays. So he's trying to do it all himself, and I mean. More times than not, it's working at this level. But what is he? He's going to need to go into a development system where the coaching really helps him out. Because I think that you're you're with all this crazy stuff you're being able to pull at the OHL level, you kind of build some bad habits. And you're not going to be able to do that at the NHL level. So I want to see him in his draft plus one year. Maybe the points don't exponentially grow. But what I want to see is simplifying some of his plays so that they're more projectable, which I believe is why Elite Prospects is so much lower on him than the other outlets, where it's like the, the tools are there. They're they're eye-catching. He's the kind of guy in the OHL that you go buy tickets to go see because he's going to do something crazy. You don't know what, but he's going to do something. And I think that you're looking at that and saying, is that projectable at the next level? And I don't know if it always is, but damn, is it ever fun to watch? Like He's one of the guys where I think you should pull up, if you're watching this on YouTube, pull up another tab and just type in David Goyette highlights because this guy, he's a human highlight reel for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And I put, it, I put in my notes, if he plays on a better team, he probably puts up even more points. And Sudbury, they're obviously rebuilding. Hopefully they can get a nice uh, draft pick, a good rookie to come in to kind of help support him so that he doesn't have to do it on his own so much. But yeah, I I see the potential here. And there's like, even uh, at the skills competition, Ross, only two players ranked above him. And he's just able to do all the, like he has those raw skills that uh, if, he gets better line mates, better development, better coaching, give him time. I think he's really going to uh, grow into a good player. So 
I think he safely projects as a bottom six forward. I don't see him bursting through as a top six guy. So I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are interested in him. You think he sticks at center? Mm, I, I wouldn't say so confidently. I could see a world where he shifts to the wing. Uh, just because, like you said, those bad habits may follow him and he may not be able to do the things he's doing in junior at a pro level. March 27th, 2004, birthday, born in St. Jerome, Quebec. However, grew up playing for the Eastern Ontario Wild. Yes, he lived in uh, in Hawkesbury, just like Maverick Lamoureux. Check out these stats with the Select Academy. 65 games, 153 Sheesh. points, including 104 assists. He was teammates there with another draft eligible, a second-year eligible, Jordan Dume, who uh, our boys at the Future Sickos podcast did a fantastic breakdown on him, a Halifax Moosehead. He just missed our top 64. Actually, my NHL source said, you have to have Dume in your top 64. But right. alas, he's a name to watch for at the draft. Rookie year with Sudbury, stepped in pretty well. But like, just look at the point totals, man. Everywhere this guy's gone, he's been able to produce offense and done it quickly. Like His first year playing with the Slicks, that's what he put up. His first year playing with the Ontario, Eastern Ontario Wild, 50 points in 23 games. Like, Everywhere this guy's gone, he's put up points. So who am I to say that he can't continue that? Even at the World Under-18s this year, three points in four games. So I just, I have a hard time betting against him. I'm giving him three and a half stars. Yeah, I'm a little lower on him just because it would be, I, I know it's impossible with the OHL, but it would have been nice to see him with a little more uh, playing time and better teammates to see what he can do in those scenarios. I think his draft plus one year is going to be the telling story of uh, where Gaillette is at. I got him at three stars. I, I, and I wouldn't be upset if the Sens drafted him, but he, he's certainly not someone I want them to reach or not banging on the table for. So you have two three-star guys today with Luca yep. Del Belbelous and David Goyette. Who would you prefer of the two for the Ottawa Senators? I would go with David Goyette. All right, that's our draft rankings for today. Pilsy, before we go, I put up a poll at Send Central. Everyone can follow the show there. You can also follow the show on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators. Leave a comment on YouTube. It helps us out, goes a long way. And check out the draft profile playlist on YouTube as well. Pilsy, things have been awfully quiet around the Ottawa Senators recently. So I put out on Twitter, what is their next move? Now, I put it out pretty late, so we're only at 410 votes right now. But is it a trade, a re-signing, an ownership announcement, or something else? I really don't think it's going to be a trade. Like I, w- I would put the percentage of a trade lower than 19.5% chance. I, I voted re-signing on this one. I think if anything's going to happen, it's uh, fingers crossed it's the Josh Norris contract. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Eric Brandstrom uh, deal gets hammered out here just to kind of get that done with the, or one of the other RFAs. Like that seems most likely. Yeah, so Branstrom, that was going to be my follow-up because we got Branstrom, we got Matthew Joseph, who's yep. also a restricted free agent right now. Formanton too as well. Yep, exactly. So you, you think that Branstrom's the first of those four to get done? I think so. Just because, like, <laughs> I don't know, there's not a lot riding on it. You know what I mean? So I, I think It's going to be that- like a two times 1.5 type thing. Yeah, pro- I wouldn't even be surprised if Brandy gets a little more on a two-year deal, closer to $2 million, maybe $1.75, something like that. But I just think for both sides, that's just a tidy piece of business that 
you can just clean up quick. Remember last summer we said there's no way that Victor Mate gets more than a million dollars and he signed for 1.1? Yeah, it, it happens. So that's uh, that's how it goes. And then with ownership, I think that's something that's going to take time. Like people, people are so excited. And yes, we're seeing changes within the center's organization that show positive uh, at least. Whoa, watch out, Pilsy. Yeah, exactly. I'll leave it at that. I don't want to get too political here. But um <laughs> We have seen changes and there's all this, all these rumors and all this chatter, but to talk about changing the ownership of an NHL team, like it just doesn't happen like that. Like it's a big deal. There's a lot of things, checks and balances that need to go on. So I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. And uh, Ross, unless you got something else, should I uh, lead the people into Pilsy's playoff parlay of the day? Yeah, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that by Monday's Locked On Senators, we're going to have some news to discuss. I hope so. All right. I would love that. And if uh, you're looking for some news, putting a couple extra shekels in your pocket hopefully can help. And Ross, I'm on a bit of a slide recently with my parlay at uh, betonline.ag, but I'm feeling good about this one. So here we go. The Tampa Bay Lightning do not, do not have bad games twice in a row in the playoffs. It just does not happen. So they had a tough game one. I'm going big on Tampa. I'm taking them puck line, Ross. Minus one and a half. The odds are plus 200. So I like that. I'm taking that. And then since it's Friday, we don't have an episode tomorrow. I'm going to dip my toes into the next game as well. The Edmonton Oilers, that was an embarrassing showing last night. Mike Smith, I think, is is done. Uh, that was like, was it three three goals in two minutes and four seconds? Or was it four goals? I think it was three. Yeah, but Mike Smith special. The, the way Colorado is just able to beat up on them so quickly, I know the Oilers are going back home. I know the fans are crazy and they're ready to, to get things going, but I don't see them having a chance. I'm taking Colorado money line at minus 129. So Tampa Bay puck line, Colorado avalanche money line, put 10 bucks in. The odds are real nice, Ross. Put $10 in to win I'm looking for a big bounce back here because my funds are dwindling. Bet responsibly on betonline.ag. So I'm hoping for a bounce back here. That is Pilsy's playoff parlay of the day. Couple notes, Pilsy. Couple notes. Hopefully you're getting bank notes. But at Laleem's Martian, our boy on Twitter was just listening to 32 thoughts. Couple notes on the Ottawa Senators. One, this draft has extra sentimental meaning. For Pierre Dorian, we know that his dad, Pierre Sr., was a pro scout in the National Hockey League for a long time with Montreal and the New York Rangers. And Pierre's dad, Pierre Sr., passed away at the age of 49. And now Pierre Dorian is 50. So he's now older than what his dad lived. I'm sure that will mean a little extra for him. And then get this quote from Merrick, quoting Dorian at the draft combine. Brady Kachuk came to the team at his exit interview with a list of things that he wants to see improved, both on ice asks and facility improvements. So this kid is full on captain shit. He is um, putting his stamp on the organization. And I'm sure that if he showed us what this list was, if we could read his handwriting, we've seen it before, (laughs) but um, I would imagine that fans would be on board with every single thing that he's asking. Yeah, and and this is probably just Brady being like, look, I, like you can't put the the wool over my eyes here. Like I know what NHL franchises are like. My dad played in the show. My brother's in the show, and we simply are not up to snuff here. And 
I just signed a, a long-term deal. I'm the captain of this organization. If we're going to run things successfully and the way I envision it, here's what we need to do. And I respect that, even from a young guy, to, to just blatantly say, look, we don't have this. We need this. If we're going to turn the ship around, it has to start here. And I hope the senators take that with the utmost uh, of importance. And you, you got to you gotta appease your top guy, the face of the franchise. Like, you cannot have him being like, wow, I'm playing for a dumpster uh, fire here. Like, yeah. you can't have that. No, and even Thomas Shabbat as well is going into his sixth full season yeah. in the NHL. Not only has he not sniffed playoffs, he hasn't even sniffed a stretch run. Like, they've been out of it in November. Yeah, or, he hasn't sorry, played meaningful games. Like Sorry, February, the year that they were, they started in January, though. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, maybe you can, uh, you can spin zone that. Uh, final thing that Martian told us from that is when asked about Brady signing with uh, Budweiser, Dorian had a long pause and then said, Molson is a great sponsor of ours. <laughs> <laughs> hey, these athletes these days, it's in every sport. They're free to do their own thing just because the team has a sponsor doesn't mean these athletes can't go out there and get their paper elsewhere. So, you know what? Molson should have stepped up and gotten Brady a deal. That's all I have to say about that. Agreed. All right. Well, let's leave it at that for uh, for this week. Appreciate you listening. We've counted down. Uh, we did three prospects a day. Quick math, three times four, 12. We've oh done 15, 14 prospects to two today. 14 mm-hmm. prospects. You can go back, check those out all throughout the week. We had some provocative topics. We had the Quebec City news done, beaten down, no regular season games in Quebec. So we've covered no. all that. The Senators say no to Quebec City. And we also have coming up the Locked On NHL Mock Draft, first version, where each of our hosts from local experts yes. are going to pick their choice at, well, up till 16. Um, and we just made ours. We'll keep it a secret, though, for now. So stay tuned for all that coming up next week. For today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.